So I spent the morning debating Gus from Patagonia Ballistics, who's down in Argentina, about whether or not Hitler lived or died. Did he commit suicide in Germany or did he make it all the way to South America? And Gus keeps referencing the dang Russians and nobody believed the Russians even back when they said they had Hitler's body and then they, you know, incinerated it and did all kinds of crap. Now all of a sudden after, you know, the Hunting Hitler TV show, they say they tested the DNA as if we could believe the Russians and that they know that Hitler died and they have the body. I ain't buying it. I think Bob Bear got it right that they found Hitler, you know, the escape routes and the whole things. We already know there was high-level Nazis down there in South America. They have all kinds of documents from the Allies because the Allies didn't believe the Russians back then anyway. And come on now. He's sending me all this stuff from Russia as if I'm going to believe the Russians. Fake news. Hello. We ain't buying no Russian collusion there, Gus. I'm telling you right now. Hitler escaped. He made it down to South America. When Perón was overthrown, he went to Paraguay, and he ended up dying of old age down in South America. So don't go playing like Argentina did in hand and hiding them. You guys got, for bringing in the top-level guys, you guys got nuclear power. Who's you kidding? We already know what happened. <laughs> so any, I go into Mile High today, and uh, I see Mike. He, he, he's there waiting, you know, he's working the counter. So I get those uh, Pelotor uh, Tactical Sport 500s, the Bluetooth one. So I picked them up today and I'm all psyched and everything. So we're sitting in the back. I'm waiting for some stuff to go on. We're talking classes and the training and doing like a after action report with, uh, you know, Diane and those guys. So Mike's there and he goes, you know, he gets a lot of people inquiring about me because there's there's people, a lot of people that know him but don't know me, and then there's the people that know me and don't know Mike. So apparently he's getting questions on what's Frank really like in person. And so today he's telling me what his answer is. And he describes me to people as a social hand grenade. (laughs) I don't know what that means. I'm kind of like intrigued by the whole idea of a social hand grenade, I can see the hand grenade. I, I I don't know. I just find it intriguing. So you guys should comment on what do you think? You know, am I a social hand grenade as Mike describes it? Ugh, my daughter calling from California with school. She's switching all kinds of crap up for classes for fall or something like that. I don't know what's going on. So she's been calling back and forth. But man, every, every my phone's been blowing up and it's driving me nuts. Getting close to the match. So a lot of people are calling and, and stuff's going on. So so Mike was saying, I guess I go back. I don't remember quite where I left off, but social hand grenade. So comment on the social hand grenade side of it. Also, I'm going to go into some of the Podbean. There are some comments and questions in the Podbean. And I do like one of the guys I saw. Um, Simon Miller did a Q&A. Yes, I should do something like a Facebook Live or do a post if we do a Q&A, it won't necessarily be a call-in. I guess we could do a call-in question. I have my my uh, extra phone. I can always do it that way. I like the idea of the call-in from Simon. Uh, Contra, about the MK machining, yeah, that works great, except for the guys with stocks. That machining mount needs a pick rail on the side or somewhere like that. So what do you do? Because the question with the magneto speed, and we figured it out. I know what I'm going to do now. 
um, as far as the, the magneto speed and taking up time. But somebody said to use the MK machining mount for the magneto speed. Yeah, that'll work with the guys with chassis and who have rails on their rifle. But what do you do with a guy with a fiberglass stock with no rail? Doesn't work. So again, we're right back to where we are with all the different variations from people in classes. You don't know what somebody's going to show up with. They may not have extra pick rails. They may. So it's a lot of other work. So I actually talking to Mike today about the the dilemma of not wasting people's time and having people stand around. We can divide the group in two, and I can do truing target with one, while the other guy's doing uh, magneto. I can kill two birds with one stone. It's just, it's the frustrating factor is that aside from really the magneto speed, they all don't pick up 100%. They all require a setup and takedown. And really the goal would be for like these ones, like the two box chrono and the lab radar, the deal should be, I should be able to just put somebody down, have them fire five rounds, stand up and bring the new person in. But they don't work like that. They're, they, you, there's this thing of not working as advertised where the setup is a little bit more involved than you think. Some suppressors don't set the lab radar off unless it's in a specific spot. Muzzle brakes go too hard and sometimes can kind of counter it and knock it out of arm. So if you if you set it up at the at the line like I do and you have a guy where it's set for a suppressor, well, then you got to go in and retune everything and recalibrate for the muzzle brakes and the lack of muzzle brakes. You have to really watch how... The, honestly, I dig the lab radar. I like the idea of the lab radar. It's way too sensitive. It's too fragile. Okay, I'm out on the range here in the wind and the whole thing. And like I said, the wind knocks it over, it breaks. Doesn't pick up, doesn't have this. It's not... The, the, you know, when you're by yourself and you really have no concept of how long you've been kind of lining it up and doing all this stuff and then you go and use it and you're the only one there, that's one thing. When you have a class and you have other things going on, it's not. I, more and more people, even if you kind of look at some of the Facebook stuff, more and more people are getting fed up with the lab radar, man, just in the way it is. It, it, it was, you know, it, it's kind of that, so... Another question that came up is why can't we just true the BC and use the feet per second off the magneto speed elaborator for software? In a perfect world, Dan, I think it was Dan, it looks like a Dan, something. In a perfect world, yes, that's how it should work. We should really just be putting, we, we honestly need to true the BC for our rifle system and our velocity, you know, and we should have to still do the BC part of it. But our real, especially with a magneto speed and a lab radar, that real world number should be what we put into our software. But I did get a update from Gus this morning, and apparently Traceal Desert Tech has a new developer for Traceal, has uh, is working on it, and plans on re, uh, you know, kind of reengaging in the support of Traceal because Traceal is the one. You could put in real data and you're going to be a hell of a lot closer than any of the other software out there using Traceal. The, the Apple and Android updates, the lack of Traceal updates creates conflicts. Like I said, in the class, I went to demonstrate with my phone plugged into the TV some of my data in Traceal. And what happened? 
my phone, cr- you know, the app crashed. And, um, and I couldn't open it. I kept trying, kept trying. It wouldn't open. Well, then today I was talking with Mike and we're in Mile High and everything. And I clicked on Traceal and it opened and it worked. And it's like, what the hell happened between Saturday and today? Nothing. I couldn't get Traceal to open. Now it opens. But the fact that if Desert Tech is going to support it, like they say, dude, we are all going to win on that one. It is a unique engine under there your 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 a you know the underlying engine in your streelock ab you know all that software ballistics ae are the same the only variation is sort of trace all and Horner day when they do that ford off but trace all is a modified point mass but with the pestia model behind it and then each developer puts their own flourishes in, like I talked about. You know, if there's 250 lines of code approximately with one piece of software, you know, Cobor has 18,000 lines of code and stuff like that. So it's a lot more. But, uh, you know, it, it's just how much effort are you going to put in to true it up? And what we're finding out is you have to put in a heck of a lot more than's being advertised. And, and that's all my point is. I mean, all of them in, inside a thousand yards should be relatively close and a lot closer than we give it credit for. Or I give it credit for in a lot of ways. But the thing is, it's the inconsistencies that, that go back and forth and that we're doing. It's just, you know, that's my frustration. That if I'm talking to somebody and I'm doing something and then it, it, it moves and modifies. So... Uh, anyway, that's that's the, the case. So there is an update for the Trace All users that it is getting fixed, it is getting supported, and it is going to move forward because I really do think it's the best. Let's see. what Any other questions in here? Uh, something with the... No- yeah, the Napoleon Complex. Uh, Morton or whatever his name is. Mork from Mork here uh, in the app. Ha, ha, ha. You just looked up the Napoleon Complex. Dude, they say it all the time. I don't waste my time with it. I was just being silly because I was going to grab something from it. So when I looked it up and they had all this conflicting information about the Napoleon, but it is pretty funny. It's like people who don't know me are going to, you know, psychoanalyze me over the internet or something when they have no idea what what my mindset is when I say something. You know, again, it's that lost in translation, lost in texting, locks in posts. You know, they don't have the context of my mood, but they want to diagnose me. Okay, whatever. You got to remember something. I actually did it. It's not like, you know, I'm out there, you know, saying things, but not doing it. You know, I go out and do stuff. And and, and so um, somebody was in the crawl stage of learning. Talk about how helpful shoot can only have. uh, I don't know this. Um, I'm sorry. I can't get that. Another Tika. Yeah, a lot of stuff with the Tikas, man. The magazines are just not. I'm, I'm swapping mine out. Uh, in putting it in the Kdex chassis with my Tika, we saw the mags not working again. I mentioned this a bit, and Beretta, if you're listening, Sako, the whole thing, the spring is messed up. More I think about it, because the back of the back of the follower, if you take your mag and the Tika mag, the back of the follower has the appropriate amount of tension on it, so the back side works. The front of the follower has like no tension on it. They need an extra curve in the spring or an extra, I don't even know what the, what the technical term is, but the front just dips. You know what I mean? It doesn't handle the round correctly. 
So it needs another band of the spring in there, another, you know, layer to hold that follower straight. It's it's one too few. So that's kind of going on with the Tikas there. Thanks all the guys who think the podcast rock. Uh, everybody liking the Mike and Adam stuff. Uh, what do we got here? Been shooting this whole season with prime ammo and not reloading. Shooting is fun again. Yep, the prime. I got guys. I gotta love prime, man. I, I'm I'm a huge fan of it. It, it, it the 130s really work. And, and one thing I will say, because people are noticing and people are mentioning that the muzzle velocities are down. Factory ammo's always gonna have a slower muzzle velocity. So, like, I was talking to the guys in Alaska. Up there in Alaska, they just had the train up. Our classes, I have the match next weekend. Then I come home for one day, and then I'm in Alaska for the training. And so they're shooting some Prime 338, and they're like, dude, the muzzle velocity's so slow. Well, there's number one reason for that is screw the 300-grain bullet across the board. It doesn't work for 338. It's way too slow, okay? But when you get to the Prime, because it's sort of meant for safety and the whole thing and and they're really conservative if you want to shoot factory 338 ammo you got to either do hornaday 285 or 250 grains you know what i mean the 250 cnrs and stuff 300s work at shorter ranges a bit but if you're going to go out far and you're going to do something with factory ammo and a 338 300 grain bullets not the right one man it's way too slow and and that is a that's a common thing for factory ammo is that they just don't shoot fast. It's not meant to be. It's a safety thing. It's Sammy spec. It's this. It's that. You know what I mean? So don't go out there thinking that you're going to uh, get this factory ammo and have really sporty muzzle velocity. You may get really good accuracy, and I've seen some really great standard deviations. You know, sub ten fp uh, feet per second, but the muzzle velocity is low and and that's where you know that's where reloading comes in to get that speed back so um it's definitely something to get another guys like the aars and the improvements um let's see thoughts on running a 22 trainer as opposed to a 22 and a 308 i'm 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 fine with 223 trainers man because it to me if you're doing a 223 trainer, you can go out and shoot these matches with it. Now, you could do that with a 308 too. Barrel life's going to be pretty similar. The whole thing is going on. I, I don't know. I, I would guess if you get like a 223 and you've got that muzzle velocity of like a 70 to 80 grain bullet in the 2,900 feet per second, not only are you inexpensive in your training, but you can shoot a match with it. But the same thing with a 308. Uh, you know, it's six and one half whether you want to do a 223 or a 308. Honestly, with the 22s, the way these matches are going and the whole thing everybody's doing with the 22s, I gotta still gotta get my voodoo out. I've just been busy. Um, the 22s are awesome. And the fact you can go do these little short one-day tactical matches with them, make them a big time plus. Plus, with the scale factor, you can figure out to to equate to your other center fires. But you can kind of, you know, get a learning experience. You could do a similar thing with your 223 and in the 308s as far as the 308 is you're just going to know, okay, if I'm using a mil for my 308, I'm going to use like a half mil or less for my 6.5. So you kind of got to go in that direction. But 
I, you know, you're really in coin flip territory when you're saying 223 versus 308. Where the variation comes is, is when you say 308 versus 22. You know, you're going to end up saving a ton of money in the 22 world. And then you could shoot those those 22 matches, which I think people are just eating up. I mean, if you... If you're local and you don't have anything organized going on, but you have access to a 100-yard range, you really should see about standing up a 22 match for yourself locally. Inviting all your friends, jumping in on the 22 bandwagon, and just going for it. Um, It'll be a great way to get your foot in the door in a place where you may not have the range to shoot a long-range tactical match. Well, you can mimic all the stages and all the same kind of uh, movement with a 22. Just you're shooting shorter, you know. So definitely think about that if you're one of those guys who lives in a place that just doesn't have access to long range. You know, if your farthest range is 100, 200 yards, 22 league, man, start one up yourself. Hey, I don't uh, remember eating. I don't know what that means. Uh, my, my Adam, Adam's jokes, man. We were kind of laughing about that with Adam and his jokes. That's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> it's like, here, listen. <laughs> we should we should go one night and find like a comedy shop that has like an open mic night and just go and put Adam up there and do like one three-minute, five-minute set <laughs> just to see Adam only get through one joke in nine minutes. <laughs> Adam Adam's comedic timing's a little bit funny. Okay, here's a pressure question. I'm shooting a new Lapua SRP 6.5 Creedmoor Brass with blah, 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 123 EDL, faintest ejector marks on the casing head. The bolt doesn't feel heavy, but I'm wondering if I should back the load down. I'm experiencing this only after the chamber. Yeah, man, warmer days and everything. There's there's warm loads and hot loads. I would bring it down. If you got a the faintest of ejector mark on the case, back it down a little bit. You know, I definitely would. Um, I know it doesn't feel heavy, but as soon as the temps start changing, as soon as anything starts cooking, you're going to run into a problem. So um, he doesn't say what his muzzle velocity is, and this is AM Wood. But if you're getting marks, yeah, you know, back it off a little bit. Posted before I realized Frank wasn't on the Pargas. Regardless, it was funny. Unrelated, but I just watched the pupil are the art, the tactical rifle. That was hit at you. Yeah. So um, this one guy saw the uh, the when I was getting sued by tacticalrifles.net, right? Friggin' douchebag down in Florida. Um, he uh, I did that video, pupil of the art of the tactical rifle, and. One of the things this guy did was he went out and tried to get some people who had done reviews and some things, some other blogs, and one of them was Student of the Gun. So instead of saying, like, because Student of the Gun got his back, even though, like, Guns America and Student of the Gun took Dave Rooney's back over mine, you know, Dave was being the victim, or he was the victim, and I was the bully, you know, go figure. And so when Student of the Gun wrote this thing and I did this kind of video goofing on his M40, because Rooney likes to call everything he does an M40, even though he's not even an American. Or he might be a citizen now, but he's a Brit. Um, you know, and he, he, his claim to, to like, you know, why you can't say anything to him is that he donated to the NRA. And, and so all these rifles he was making, he even does M40rifle.com now. And he's doing like these knockoff M40 rifles, which are just kind of like the Remingtons, whatever. So 
Um, and I heard you telling people that I was a fake sniper, dude. And that you do it again, I'm going to come after you. Uh, but anyway, so I called it pupil of the art of the tactical rifle instead of student of the gun. And so I did this silly video because there was this video on YouTube that was completely full of shit with a guy shot a group at 500 yards with privy partisan sniper ammo, you know, like this $18 blue box stuff from Cabela's that he shot with a tactical rifles rifle at supposedly 500 yards on paper and he covered it with a quarter. So he shot a 500 yard group and covered it with a quarter and then Tactical Rifles came on and said, thanks, Eddie. We knew you can show everybody what it's about. You know, which, so I did a parody of that video and, and, and did all these silly stuff in the video. So the guy just saw that video and, and, um, and was laughing about it. But yeah, it's pretty funny. Go to YouTube, Pupil of the Art of the Tactical Rifle on my YouTube channel. It's pretty funny. Uh, and then he says, um, your everyday sniper logo reminds me of the Tesla album cover, Mechanical Resonance. I think you subconsciously had some hairband influence. Oh, yeah, I was a hairband, dude. Dude, I had like friggin' the total, like, I had like an 80s chick's hair, you know, back then, hairspray, the whole thing. Yep, I was that guy. Uh, so it takes a man to make that kind of statement. I don't know what that, I think I'm going to make a point to say how much I love you guys in these podcasts. Yeah, man, you're, Matthew's all about it. I'm with you. think you're going to make a, uh, let's see, getting 2,800 feet per second with 143 VLDS, way faster than my previous load. Thanks for your help, guys. Okay, so, uh, somebody had good response, just loading a little faster. Um, yeah, man, there, there's definitely some things with the, the, uh, the muzzle velocity when you're hand loading yourself and with changing powders around and playing, you know, hunting for a better powder instead of H4350 going to the RL16, you can get higher muzzle velocity. I was just talking with uh, some of the guys, Neil over in the UK, uh, about 2000 MR and my 185 grain load, you know, the juggernauts. So using a, a, a really kind of conservative load with the 2000 MR. Uh, max load for that is 48 grain. I'm using 46, and I'm at 2,700 out of a, you know, 20-inch barrel. So tw almost 2,700 feet per second out of a 185 juggernaut with a 20-inch barrel 308. Woohoo! Hello! You know, good stuff. So that's one of those um, one of those things where you can switch powders. If you go over and look at some of the stuff that I did, like with the Warner Tools... I talked about using some, you know, vastly different powders to get a target muzzle velocity. My my goal, because I'm a factory ammo guy, I shoot Prime, you know, I shoot Hornaday, I'm shooting some Federal, is to get speed. If I have a hand load and I go through the process of, of getting hand loads done, which costs me more money because I don't do the bulk like I mentioned, I get the initial load done. Then I, I roll it over to like Andrew McCourt for volume just because I don't want to sit there and have to reload 500 rounds. But I'm reloading for a speed. I have a target speed in mind. I know where I should be and I want to be. And then I'm reloading to that. Then I fine tune it, seating depth and things to get my, my SDs and everything down and my accuracy where I need it to be. And in fact, I was just talking with one of the guys from Argentina, Marcel. He has a proof 308 that, or not 308, 338 that he had made 
big process for him to get a rifle from the U.S. down to Argentina, especially a custom one. So he's reloading it and he's loading it and he's just not happy with his results. So I kind of, we're talking back and forth and told him to go hunting around and try to get into a higher node. Sure as hell, he moved up to the next higher velocity node. His SDs went down to single digit and his accuracy sucked in. So he was getting about a minute accuracy out of this proof rifle. And his velocity was good, but not great. But then his SDs were all over the place. So he kind of went back a little bit to the drawing board. And he went for that next node up. And when it hit that next node, it all just, you know, fine-tuned right in. Now he's got speed. He's got low SDs. And he's got accuracy. So... You know, you may have to play with it a little bit. It's something that, um, you know, you guys should look at. And it, it, it may not, it, it may be, you know, hey, I think this is good, but it's, it's it, if you take your barrel and think of it as, in, you know, a medium, an average, or a, a actually a low, a medium, and a an high node, accuracy node. So you have your low end, which is where a lot of factory ammo is, you have like this mid-range where a lot of people tend to fall because that's the first one they stumble on when they get out of the factory ammo. Then you have a high end, a fast node. Well, if you can kind of get get yourself to that fast node, you know, it, it, it becomes a bit of a game changer. Uh, all that stuff comes into play. And here he thought he had a pretty solid load for his 338 and... Uh, you know, one day back at the drawing board and he stumbled on the high node and boom, everything just fell in line exactly where he wanted to be. Um, quick update too, speaking if we're talking about uh, loads and ammo and things like that, my JP shipped my Valkyrie. So I got a, a Valkyrie on the way, uh, going to be running that. I uh, ordered two cases of the federal 75 grain there's a lot of mixed reaction coming through in the 90 grain and i know a lot of guys are trying to you know they hear that the 90 grain's not so great and what they're doing thinking they can beat it is the twist rate they're going to like six and a half or six where most guys with the valkyrie are doing seven twist Believe me, when it comes to the Valkyrie, these guys are R&Ding the hell out of it. And what they're finding, it's not the twist rate, it's not the barrel, you know, it's a little bit other stuff. And I know for a fact that Hornaday 88 grain, once it comes out, is working for guys. The 62, the 75, and all that stuff. The 90, the 90's doing well if you're thinking three-quarter MOA as well. And that's where a lot of them are falling. We're seeing a majority of people with the 90-grain bullet is hitting right around three-quarter minute. But if you go to some of these lesser weights, the 88 to the 75 to the 62, and in that zone, they're telling me they're getting three-eighths or better out of those factory loads with just going with that lighter bullet. So um, I know there's, they're, they're doing some work to get that 90 to where they want it to be, but at the same time, just changing the twist rate isn't the, the fix people think it is. So, um, you know, something to look at. Well, I'll be reporting that JP will be here this week. 
I know the cases of 75 grain that I got from Midway are on the way. And and how money is this, man? It's like it's two two three prices, you know. You got this this JP and in, in, in Valkyrie and the whole thing, and we know it's doing well for people. Guys are already, you know, popping up in places, shooting it. Uh, we shot Brian Whalen's. We talked about that in like podcast number two. If you haven't listened to that one, uh, Brian had the JP Valkyrie then, and here we're at sixty. I meant to mention that. Do you believe it? We're at episode sixty already. Man, this thing is just cruising, huh? Coming from January to now, I guess that's not really too crazy, but it seems crazy to me that we're at episode sixty. But they're they're, they're I they spent probably half hour or more on the phone just talking loads with the Valkyrie. And so, you know, going into this and and it's 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 gonna change and it's it, like I said, it's getting fine-tuned. I think that Hornaday is going to be a game changer. I know I'm seeing good results from some of the, you know, reading about good results from some of the others, and I'm looking forward to trying it. But right off the bat, I'm going for some of the lighter stuff. Um, I, I think they'll get the 90 grain to work to what they consider spec sooner rather than later. But right now, you'd almost look at the 90 grain ammo as sort of more plinkyish in the... 88 to 75 as the accuracy one but um heck if that that 88 grain supposed to be in the 2900 feet per second hello good stuff right there man so uh the other thing um uh there's some good guys you always asking about wind reading stuff we get a lot of it there's some really good discussions going on regarding wind reading in the sniper side forum right now down in the stupid marksmanship questions section. Yes, I actually have a section called stupid marksmanship questions because people were asking some pretty dumb stuff back a few years ago. So I renamed the forum stupid marksmanship questions. But there's some good wind reading stuff going on right now with some guys talking about how they manage. Um, there's one on quick competition wind calling, like what guys do during a match to wind call. And then there's some more detailed ones on reading Mirage and things at long range and how they do it. So if you want other perspectives, other points of view on wind reading uh, for match setting or wind reading for long range and stuff like that, in the forums, down in the marksmanship section, uh, they're talking about it right now. So I think you guys can glean some really good stuff off of that and, and you'll dig it. Cool? Cool. So uh, how many of you guys saw the free recoil demo at the, at, the, at the training we did? I put the video up. I did it twice, actually. So I, I set the tripod. I was doing a tripod lesson, and I set the tripod up, the really right stuff, the 30, I think it was a 33 Mike has. It might have been a 34. I don't remember whose it was. Um, it wasn't mine, so I don't know if it was a 33 or 34. They're about the same, just different legs with a leveling base. So I set the AI on it. I pointed it at the 500-yard target, and I was talking and talking to him, and I'm like, you know, you want to, in the balance point, when you're using that central balance point of the rifle and you're using this tripod, you let the right the, the tripod do a lot of the work. So then I reached up and just touched the trigger and let it fire, and it hit the target, and everybody was like, eyes huge, big, and they're like, no way, no way. So then uh, they're like, you can't do that again and, and this, and so I said, well, you get, you know, get your cameras out. 
that kind of deal. And I did it a second time and, and did that same thing. So we put that video up of me free recoiling. I'm not even looking at the target or behind the rifle. I just pointed it, set it up, walked, you know, stepped away from it, talked for a second. It's a short video, like 13 seconds. And then I just reached up and did like a little U, my thumb in the back. And then I touched the trigger and pressed it and, and, and let it fire. And, and do its thing and then what cracked me up is like I'm there on the line and they, all these questions you know all these thing comments start coming in on that video and and one of the first questions was what's the trigger weight on the AI and I'm like I don't know it's not my trigger you know not my rifle then the guy's like well but what's the weight and it's like it's stock AI it's not you know nobody really adjusts triggers on AIs they do but they don't you know I I never adjust mine I leave them how they come I'm not like crazy into lightening the triggers on them. I like the two stage. You know, we see this with like in the classes with trigger control stuff that people tap the trigger on those single stage, really light triggers. They never follow through. And with those two stage triggers and like the AI trigger, you can marry your finger to the trigger better. And 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 then, you know, you'll see people follow through much better on a two stage trigger versus a light single stage so the guy, it's funny the weird questions you get in. Here I'm doing like this goofy little no practical purpose demo thing. And, um, you know, and then they're asking me trigger weight. It's like, really? You want to know the trigger weight on that? It's a factory AI. And then I think Mike came in after and said a factory trigger is like four pounds. I don't think it was that heavy. I think it was more like three and a half. But um, maybe it's like 3.36 pounds uh, trigger weight. But um, yeah, that was funny that that people asked me that. And, you know, it was the same thing. I don't know if I mentioned it or not. I'll repeat myself if I did or didn't. Who knows? But somebody had asked me on YouTube. They were, they were worried about the Vortex Gen 2 Razor 4.5 to 27. And the guy said, you know, oh, so-and-so told everybody in his video to steer clear, uh, you know, that he had bad results with the Vortex Gen 2 Razor. And I read it and I'm kind of like, well, I don't really take anything that guy says with a- any real, you know, weight to it. But okay, if he didn't like it and had a problem with it, more power to him. It happens. But um, so that I said to the guy, I said, I got no issues. And then he asked me like a follow-up question. Well, but what conditions did you shoot it under? And, you know, did you ever go out and, and inclement? What? I'm like, come on, dude, really? There, you know. What was a week and a half, two weeks ago, I posted the video of me shooting a Gen 2 Razor in Idaho with Glenn Seekins in the in the pouring rain. It's like that video is not even two weeks old. You can see it in the picture and it's a Gen 2 Razor. So kind of weird. But yeah, um, I'm going to think about that question, though, about having people call in. I got like I said, I got a, I got an extra phone that I really don't use as my personal phone. So maybe I'll, I'll have you guys call in on that. But understand if you if you call me in between i'm not going to answer i'm just going to delete it (laughs) but uh or you're not you know hang up on it or something turn the ringer off but it's not a bad idea to do a q a we could probably do something like that i would like to get some more feedback from you guys to go back and forth and answer some direct questions that's what we got the everyday sniper section in the in the um sniper side forum you could throw some questions on there uh, as well, if, if you want to put them on Facebook, you know, like I said, I'm not on there as much as Mike is, but when Mike does something or we get together, we can definitely ask the uh, or we can read the questions and answer them for you guys because uh, there is a lot that you guys are asking us. Cool, man. 
All right. Well, I'm going to sign off. I got to get caught up some more. Like I said, this is a busy, crazy week because we got the Memorial weekend coming up and then I got to leave right after. So as you guys can tell, I've been kind of getting pummeled with Q&As and questions uh, or, you know, phone call wise in, in email stuff. So a lot of stuff. For those who are coming to the Sniper Side Team Challenge, Vectronics is going to be there. They are bringing the new Terrapin X. So we will have Terrapins there for you to play with. I also believe they're giving one away. So if you want to check out a Terrapin X, Colville, not this Memorial weekend, but the following weekend right after, we'll be in that area playing with Terrapins, the, the brand new ones. So uh, get a hold of, uh, you know, get up there and get in and get on it and, and you can check it out uh that so thank you guys for listening to the everyday sniper podcast thank you for following hey man i want like 200 more followers so we can hit two grand we're just shy of 2,000 followers and i think if you can you you can share it around and get some of your buddies to follow i know we got a hell of a lot more downloads than that but if we can get 2,000 followers man i would be really really psyched and 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 make it good um for you all. So uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. If you want to get a hold of Mike, he's over at Mile High, 303-255-9999. I just picked up those Pelotors. They are pretty comfy and they sync right up. I linked them to my phone. I checked them out, put them all together right now. Uh, I'm going to be running them. I, I think those Pelotor Bluetooths are, 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 are a pretty nice deal. And he did wear them in the rain. He did have them out. They're all sealed and weatherproof. They got the nice... Uh, cups the foam gel cups to them the bluetooth super easy the controls are super easy the controls work with your phone you can hardwire into them with a, a 3.5 or you can bluetooth and they're 160 bucks retail is 160 for those so not really expensive and a decent set of ear pro so uh go check it out and and i know they do have for some of you other guys they're they're a really right stuff dealer, and they have Anvil 30s in stock. I used my Anvil 30 upgrade kit. If you did, if I, I, I believe I mentioned it. I may have mentioned it only on Sniper's Hide. I don't remember if I mentioned it in the podcast. Um, but I retroed my 23, uh, my my uh, uh, 23 model to the Anvil with the retro kit. The retro kit is something four hundred dollars. And you swap your use your legs and swap the center column out, um, the, the the center connection, and it brings them in tighter. It's a smaller center, and it works really well. But I use the Anvil Thirty. The Anvil Thirty is nice. It's strong. It gives you the movement of a ball head, but the strength of a leveling base. And I find that the um the stem, like a ball head stem, to me has a little bit of movement in it if you're in the smaller ball heads. If you're at the BH-55 from Really Right Stuff, not so much. But if you're at the BH-40 or if you're using one of those, um, the 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 Faisal knockoffs, so what is it like, uh, begins with an S, those stems move. Well, this puts sort of the stem underneath. So you have the ball on top that it, it, it's around the ball and then the stem is underneath connected to the um, the, the mounting point where the legs come in. So you don't get that movement from the stem. Um, I checked that out. I used it this at this class. I played with it. And the thing, and you could totally see it. Like what a, what a 33 with a leveling base, when you touch the rifle, it barely moves. It's really tight. With the ball head, you'll get, you know, up and down bounce. 
with the Anvil 30, no, man, it's solid as a rock. And that lever, the nice thing about the lever is you can lock the lever all the way down, but you can adjust the lever. And the way mine came out of the box is it like just past half, it's kind of locked. And, you know, all the way locks it completely. But you can, you, you go just past half and it's tight and locks up. You back off a little bit to about, um, you know, I guess, what, two-thirds or somewhere in there. And now you can move the rifle around and you can move it. Then you move it to just past half and it locks up. And if you need to kind of keep adjusting, you can leave it there and access it. And then if not, you can lock it all the way down. But there's a screw underneath. There's a plug in there, but there's a screw. And you can adjust that tension to have that lever arm where you want. It's smaller it's a it's a it's a, a different kind of uh, apex in there, and it does a lot of really cool things. Monster fan of the Anvil Thirty, as well. The Anvil Thirty also not only does it do the really right stuff dovetail, it does pick rail at the same time. So if your rifle doesn't have the dovetail mounts, but you have a pick rail, you can lock into the same without an extra plate. So you just can use the standard pick rails that you have on your rifle and it'll lock into the Anvil 30. So uh, same thing with that mount plate that I put on the uh, Atlas Bipod. I put the really right stuff uh, knobbed onto the Atlas Bipod. Huge improvement. I love it. And it does both pick rail and really right stuff dovetail. So uh, definitely look at the new really right stuff. And uh, thanks again, you guys, for listening. Thanks for following. I want 2,000 followers, 2,000. All right, guys, I'm going to jet. Enjoy.